Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly look at all the latest happenings in the mortgage industry. Uh, each week, I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members as my co host. And this week, the ever popular and always in at the last moment, uh, as you see, I'm still not here. Kevin Pranio, the Chief Lending Officer from Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. Uh, he did just email me and say he'll be right on. And uh, so we'll give him a second just to go ahead and get logged on. And while we're waiting for Kevin, um, I'll go ahead and just kind of get started with some of the things going on in the news and uh I see Rob Crisman is on. Why don't we, uh, can we activate Rob's? And there's KP. Look at that. KP. How's All it going? Am I, am I, am I, am I okay? Am I, am I good? I just did the summer shuffle and got all the kids out the door. Looking good. I like that background. Some, you know, unique art and it looks like all sorts of uh, interesting bottled spirits. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, you know? <laughs> well, thanks once again for joining us uh, here on the last week in mortgage today. Uh, always appreciate your insight and perspective on the industry. And let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I'll start out just by reminding everyone, uh, clearly strive for interactivity. So any questions, comments, anything that you have uh, for Kevin or I or Rob Crisman, Rob, you are unmuted. So uh, we have Rob as well in here uh, for the conversation. Um, please feel free to voice it aloud or put it in the chat. We'll go ahead and incorporate it into the show. So KP, I'm going to start with an interesting news headline that I was reading this morning. And uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association, uh, they recently you know, put some formal communication out there to all the different federal agencies and regulatory bodies regarding artificial intelligence. This is going to be a very interesting dilemma for our industry and the regulatory components of it. You know, in a nutshell, what is happening is as AI continues to evolve in the mortgage industry, one area where it's evolving most prevalently is in the decisioning of loans. And, um, you know, MBA's point, a valid one, is that if used properly, artificial intelligence, when used in the loan decisioning process, um, can consider far more data for people that are credit worthy, but not with traditional credit um, than conventional underwriting models, and that the benefits of AI can lead to a more inclusive lending climate. Um, at the same time, it's just different. We've had humans decisioning loans in the past, and it's that's easier to regulate, obviously, your thoughts on this issue and, uh, you know, just how you see it maybe playing out in the short and the not so short term. Well, I, uh, I, I know that, you know, the, the thought and discussion topic of AI having uh, biases inside of it has been something that's been talked about, you know, throughout multiple industries, not just our industries, when it comes to, you know, just the proliferation of artificial intelligence, of machine learning, of these um, you know, machine learning is more rules based, whereas AI, true AI by its definition, um, you, you know, it means that the, the, the technology is actually learning. And, and so it, it teaches itself um, as it gathers more data. 
So I don't know how much true AI is in our industry, and that's probably a discussion point that uh, people could make on a on a on a technical level. Like, yeah, you're talking about AI, but we don't really have AI. We have machine learning, which is actually easier to manage because then you can manage your rules. We we know the administration is trying to create uh, more uh, equitable housing opportunities. So, uh, and obviously, you know, I know uh, the Mortgage Collaborative, PRMG, everybody on this call probably overwhelmingly supports that. I mean, what what business owner doesn't want more business? So, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because, you know, there are rules that are out there. I'll give you an example. I read an article this morning and it made me kind of think about um, something and now you just kind of put them together. You know, there was a survey done by uh, the National Association of Realtors and it said that sellers are less likely to um, accept offers for FHA and VA borrowers. And in the survey, it said because the home inspection guidelines are more strict, the appraisals, um, uh, their appraisal staff, they're more strict, more specifically VA, even though, you know, VAs, you know, they're just protecting the borrower. So you've got some rules that are already in place by the government that if instituted into machine learning or AI, would automatically rule out some programs in many instances that are the tip of the spear for equitable housing. So I, I think, you know, obviously there's no quick solution here, but I, I think the government's going to have to look inward as well because some of the rules that they've created are creating some of these biases in the market. We can control what we can control. And I, I but, but again, AI and machine learning, you know, these are rules-based technologies. So it'll be really interesting to see how this debate goes. At the end of the day, I think we're all on the same page uh, with the government, the MBA, TMC, PRMG, everybody on this call, the government. We just want to put more people in houses, especially if they're deserving. And I, and I think ultimately, as long as we have open dialogue, we don't have a gotcha environment with enforcement and regulators. You know, you used AIQ inside Encompass and it didn't give the right decision. We're going to find you millions of dollars. You know, that's not that's not the kind of environment that actually helps put people in houses. That's just that's just not what we're looking for, hopefully. So I, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that we're going to have enough dialogue between, you know, uh, uh, independent mortgage bankers and uh, TMC, MBA and all the different uh, groups with our government and the different agencies to try and tackle this issue. Such a fascinating confluence of events happening right now as it just relates to housing and housing finance. We talked about emerging technology. Uh, we have a CFPB that's going to be under new leadership that's going to have much more clear and uh, direct initiatives that they're going to be pursuing. And now the Biden administration, which you know really has spoken to housing a lot, more so than any presidential administration uh, that I can remember in a long time, just different housing initiatives and things that they want to pursue. Uh, of course, you know, until a few weeks ago, uh, there was, you know, just sort of this FHFA, Mark Calabria roadblock. Uh, now that's been removed. And uh, what that has done is opened up a dialogue amongst politicians, amongst people like me and you and others in our industry about the future of Fannie and Freddie, uh, how will the Biden administration and the new FHFA director that they're likely to, uh, you know, propose and, and put out there soon would be the thinking 
use Fannie and Freddie to help achieve some of the goals that they want to see with uh, fair housing and home ownership. Um, obviously, the left is, you know, proposing some what not radical, but things we haven't seen here in the industry. Just that the if it's the delivery fee structure or the amount of risk that Fannie and Freddie are able to take on. And then, of course, those on the right, you know, pointing, pointing back to the meltdown of 07 and 08, and the taxpayer uh, liability to all that uh, would be curious just to get your perspective on uh, how you see all this kind of playing out and uh, where you see Fannie and Freddie, just the, the short term direction of those two organizations. Well, it can't get much more radical than the last uh, 14 months when it comes to change. So, you know, adverse market fee overnight and, you know, the the caps for second home and non-unoccupied um, being implemented basically overnight. For some of us on this call, it was pretty brutal the way it was implemented. And, uh, and you know, look, I mean, there's serious brain drain at Fannie and Freddie. You know, there are people there that were, you know, upset with the way um, the FHFA was heavy handed. In the way they, uh, you know, implemented guidelines and change, and they left. So <clears throat> we're definitely in a rebuilding phase here. I do, I do like the fact that um, the Biden administration is taking an active role in expanding uh, housing. I mean, again, I mean, what business owner on here doesn't want to do more loans, especially when the pie is shrinking? So you know, we're all out there in the communities doing the work, and so I, I definitely am excited to see some of these changes coming. Um, you know. It's it's very political. It's it's been politicized. In fact, I mean, the reality is, the Supreme Court, for all intents and purposes, um, affirmed that it is politicized. That this is really uh, the FHFA position is at the behest of um, the president, whoever that is, whichever party that is, and they cannot have you know more power than the president of the United States of America. And that goes to the CFPB as well. So they're going to use these agencies to implement their housing policy, and they have been active and very vocal on what they want to implement. And I think, again, most of us on this call would say that, you know, if it's going to expand housing, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for all of us. Um, I just, I just, again, I go back to the gotcha environment of the early days of the CFPB. Uh, you know, when it was, we're not going to tell you what we need in our guidelines we're going to bust you for it later and find you millions. What, what does that solve? I mean, does that, that, does that help? Does that help people in houses? I don't think so. So, you know, I, I, I remember uh, being at a NAM event one year in Vegas and I raised my hand to some deputy director of CPB. I go, hey, can you just tell us what you want us to do? We'll all do it. Every, I promise you, everybody in the TMC, we'll all do whatever it is. It just tell us what to do. No one wants to get fined. We all want to put more people in houses. Just tell us exactly what you mean with your guidelines. And we will help implement it. We, we can be wielded as a tool for this administration uh, in many ways, just like the CFPB and the FHFA. And so if they truly want to do their mission and complete it, you know, we are the ones in the communities. And so what I, what I would just add, you know, one more thing there is that, um, you know, the, uh, there's some politicization uh, of, of the way things are done, I, I think. Now, look, Biden... Uh, President Biden was a senator for many years. So, you know, I, I've already seen the way, you know, he's going to disappoint some people on the far left that got him elected. He's not an ideologue. He is someone that's there to try and make things happen because he doesn't want his party to lose power in the midterms. More than um, 
three-fifths of the swing states, uh, the surveys have already been coming back. They're not in favor of higher taxes. They're not in favor of some of the far-left agenda. And so I think he's going to, um, in many different areas, including housing, he's going to cut some deals. And you know what's a great bargaining chip? Hey, you know what? Um, independent mortgage bankers, I need you to implement this first-time home buyer fee. I need you to implement these policies on fair housing. In return, I'll remove you know, maybe the non-occupied cap or the adverse market fee or the second uh, home cap. You know, I could see some some things coming out of that uh, where it's a little bit of give and take. There's just maybe I'm being optimistic, but, uh, you know, I don't believe the headlines that I read all the time in housing. I believe in what I see with my own eyes. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm positively, cautiously optimistic about where things are going in these four years. I share that same cautious optimism. I think you could see some things done that make sense with some push and some pull on both sides. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. So this is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week joined by PRMG Chief Lending Officer, Kevin Perenio and uh, Kevin Rob, Lord Varis, Krisman, and his spies that he has uh, just deployed throughout the industry. And Rob, uh, is, his audio is open if uh, you'd like to chime in here. But it was in his newsletter, I think last week or late the week before, uh, was citing uh, one of the uh, research and analyst firms that uh, laying out some things that we could see with Fannie Freddie. Under the new director, under the Biden administration, first-time homebuyer tax credit was uh, mentioned. Um, you know, removing the non-owner caps and the two out of three rule, and some of the other stuff that was in the PSPA. Um, further enhancements to the refi programs that the agencies rolled out, and also a change in the structure of the delivery fee setup, which I thought was very interesting. The one now that, you know, if you're 698 FICO score and 90% LTV, it's whatever it is. And But uh, uh, Rob, any any further developments, uh, anything you've heard about things that could be, be coming from the agencies? And I know we don't have a director yet, but I'm just looking for speculation at this point. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you. I want to know what is in the vials of, uh, of, of behind Kevin, where he's keeping it real. <clears throat> um, having <laughs> just come back from New Orleans, I'm 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 very curious. But uh, Rich, I'm not. I'm going to let you down here a little bit. I haven't heard anything. I haven't. I know. I think. I think that Sandra is getting settled into her job. <clears throat> I'm sure she's receiving a lot of input from from industry sources and from from, but also from consumer advocacy groups and regulators and so forth and so on. So I don't think that um, she's she's going to be prone to making any harsh moves, quick moves. I think she's going to hopefully think it out, figure it out, and make some prudent decisions. So, you know, we, we, we have, we, you know, we kind of stand by and wait and, um, and hope for the best. Yeah, you went to New Orleans. You went to New Orleans, so I know you you had a few vials. Um, let's see here. I got something. <clears throat> I, I get a little drink kit from Napa Valley Distillery once a quarter. And they sent me some some rum drinks for the summer. So there, so there you go. I'll I'll share one with you next time I see you, Rob. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll, <clears throat> Kevin, I guess I'll see you uh, early next week in San Diego, right? Yeah, I'm definitely heading out there. We have our senior management meeting on Monday, and then I'll. 
I'm, my plan is to be there for the uh, Monday evening thing. So look, look forward to seeing you. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, moving on to some other things in the news. Uh, pending home sales in May, uh, highest level since 2005. I think that's noteworthy worthy because it beat uh, analyst expectations by a large amount. We had seen the pending home sales number decline uh, the last few months as we get into what is normally the heart of spring <clears throat> buying season. At the same time, some of the June like MBA weekly application numbers either stagnant or down a little bit. Uh, KP, your sense of just the general volume climate right now as we as we start to get into the heart of summer here. Well, we we have a demographic wave that's hitting our country. It's been set up for quite some time. And, uh, you know, the first time home buyer, 32, 33, I don't know, depending on which report you read, people turning those ages gets larger and larger each year. We're like nine years in a row. I think we have five more ahead of us where that wave is coming. So people, you know, household formation, they want to have homes. I mean, we, that, that's, that's the demand wave. It's not... It's not just low interest rates, you know. Um, obviously, that helps on the margin, but the demographic wave is the bigger piece. And uh, so, I uh, I'm not a surfer, but um, you know, here in uh, in Newport Beach at the end of the peninsula, they have this wave called the wedge, and it's basically where like two sets of energy come together and create this huge double up. It's insane, and it's only like a foot deep, so it's crazy. These guys out there surfing, um, they're body surfing. So the other wave that's hitting is obviously a shortage of supply. And uh, I think last decade, we're 5 million units short. And the reason why is because builders got crushed in 08 and 09. And they just said, you know what? We're not going to build. Um, we're not going to just build endlessly and, and you know have spec homes out there and expect to sell it. They literally get under contract and they start building. So uh, you know, I, I will say that 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 shortage of supply is a big deal. Those two waves coming together. Every market's different, but you know we're just talking macro here. Uh, the thing the, the thing is that you know fifteen percent home appreciation on our last read, I mean, that's insane. So you know when people feel comfortable about you know maybe letting someone in their house, I mean everyone has their price, right? I mean if someone gave you a certain amount of money, you would sell no matter what. You know I don't know what that is. I mean you know that's maybe an over exaggeration, but. Those numbers are getting closer and closer for many people. And the other wave, I guess, is a little smaller wave, but the work from anywhere, work from home, you can literally work from anywhere. So maybe you want to sell in your neighborhood, your tire, whatever this traffic is, and you want to go live somewhere more remote or near a lake or whatever, downsize. And all these waves are hitting uh, are going to help us. And I, I will say that will also help the forbearance issue. You know, you got 2 million borrowers in forbearance. And you've got the pandemic on assistance ending at the end of September for, um, you know, federally and, and many states have already cut that off. We've got a lot of waves coming together where people are like, okay, I got to get back to work. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to start making my mortgage payment again. I got to find a home because I'm forming a family. There's no, no housing here in my neighborhood. I got to look somewhere else. And rates are still historically low. So I, I'm, I'm very bullish. Um, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna and say that there's no uh, issues that we have to face, but I think after the last 15 months, what we face as a, as a nation, as a, as, a, as a world, you know, I don't think there's anything we can't overcome. It's a challenge of housing. And it does. The numbers seem to bear out what, what you're saying there. Uh, you know, another report that came out uh, late last week from Realtor.com, just home listings in general, up 10.9 percent. 
uh, in June compared to May. That's not an insignificant number of 11% more listings in June versus May. The month's actually one day shorter. So uh, it, it seems and feels like the demand side of it, I think, is still there and is still very high. But it feels like there's some relief coming on the supply side, maybe not to normalize things fully, but at least on a road to something more normal, it seems like. That, that report, that's that's that to me is the most shocking stat I've heard all month. Of course, it's early in July, but that is uh, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. I mean, to think that listings increase that much, that's a big deal. But again, everyone has their price. And, you know, you're in the middle of summer. There's a little bit of FOMO. You know, people see all these houses around them. I mean, you have access to everything on all these online systems. You can see what your next door neighbor's house went for, what the person on the street bought. And you sit there and you talk about it at night, you know, with your your spouse or your significant other or your family or, you know, maybe you're single and you're like, you know, I, I have no kids. I'm single. I mean, single, single women made up a huge demographic of first-time home buyers the last couple of years. You know, they're like, I could work anywhere. And they're seeing all this information. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's probably a little bit of FOMO. You know, typically the, the purchase season kind of lasts through July and then starts to taper. But maybe there's some pent-up selling demand because of, uh, you know, because of COVID and all the quarantine and lockdown. You don't want a bunch of strangers walking through your house if you think you're going to get a bat virus and die. And now that you're you know, potentially vaccinated or we reach herd immunity in your community or whatever, you know, you're like, okay, now's a good time to sell. Good thing I waited because I just made an extra, you know, hundred grand. So I, I think, I think there's just a lot of factors all coming together there. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative this week, joined by PRMG Chief Lending Officer, Kevin Perennial. Uh, I've got about five or six minutes left with Kevin. Uh, Another item from Rob Crisman's newsletter this morning uh, just really touched on the CFBB putting out their regulatory agenda for the next 12 months, uh, you know, in under the guise of just being transparent. Uh, some of the things that uh, were on there, an assessment of the rule implementing HUMDA, uh, rulemaking addressing the expiration of the LIBOR index, uh, consumer access to financial data in electronic form, uh, interagency rulemaking to develop regulations for QC standards for automated valuation models. Uh, anything in there that uh, was of note to you, Kevin and uh, Rob, of course, uh, we have on the line as well. If he's got any further context on uh, any of the items I just mentioned from his newsletter this morning. Rob, you, you get to go first, buddy. I talk too much. <laughs> Kevin, you don't talk too much. <laughs> um, actually, Rich, to tell you the truth, I, I haven't looked into it any more than what I put out there uh, today. Uh, so maybe Kevin's heard something. Well, I, you know, my my feelings about the CFPB is, uh, you know, they they are they've made some personnel moves, and they really shored up. Uh, you know, as as Rob mentioned earlier about Sandra Thompson, you know, she's acting director, but I, I think, uh, excuse me, that's FHFA, but um, the CFPB has made some moves as well, like taking uh, David uh, Uegio and putting him in charge of enforcement and then having, you know, Ravi Chopra's, you know, confirmation, getting him into the head and run that. And he came over from the, um, I believe it's the FTC. So, you know, it, it's, again, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that, you know, 
if you're doing right by the consumer, then you don't really have anything to worry about. I, I don't think we're going to have as much of a gotcha environment as we did under Richard Cordray, but they are certainly going to be looking for people that are um, are not doing right by the consumer. Um, fortunately for us, the big focus is on payday loans and, and debt collectors. But if you're a mortgage servicer, which we are, and I know a lot of independent mortgage bankers on here uh, got forced into doing that, um, you know, last year when the aggregators just wouldn't pay for for, for good loans, you know, you gotta make sure you have your systems down. Make sure you're giving borrowers every chance they can get, you know, to to keep that house and not go through foreclosure. Which you know, I think is interesting. The CFPB <clears throat> put out some guidance uh, last week on on how to do workouts and foreclosures for those affected by COVID. So even though the guidelines are extended. I believe through the end of this month. Um, so there's like a month gap there, basically. I think, I think, you know, you can't, the moratorium is through this month, but then you can't really start or closing on someone until after August. It's kind of a, a weird little gap there. So you got people in a holding pattern, but so what? We've had them in a holding pattern, you know, um, in forbearance is really what it is. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't think as long as you're stacking up your servicing team or you're managing your subservicer that's doing your work for you. Which that's your responsibility as the master servicer ultimately. Um, is as long as you're making sure you're keeping the complaints at a minimum, the the, the workouts have the bar's best interest in mind, and the last thing you do is foreclose, you should be okay in the eyes of the CFPB. And I think, you know, other than just going through the massive amount of two million bars in for, forbearance and working through it, ultimately every one of them could just flip their house for sale. Just just sell your house, sell your house, pay off your debt, you know, go somewhere else. You know, we don't have to do anything bad here. Let's just help you sell your home. We have a housing shortage and you're going to make, you might actually walk away with money, you know, if you can't find a job. Um, I did, I did like the fact that the Ginny May securitization for a 40 year mortgage was put out um, as well last week. And that almost specifically is for modifications. So if you have an FHA via USDA borrower that you're trying to work out, uh, of forbearance, you could put them on a loan mod for 40 year amortization and I securitize it, uh, you know, through, through Ginny May, which is fantastic. Which, which by the way, I hope, uh, the Biden administration uh, gets rid of that $1.5 billion cash window cap to the GSEs. That would be nice as well for all of us independent mortgage bankers. Or else we'll just have to hold our cash a little longer, hold our securities a little longer. But, uh, those are, those are the things we're looking at uh, as a servicer and, and, and what the CFPB is focused on right now. And, I think that's what would affect probably most of us on the call, first and foremost. Yeah, Rich. I'll, Rich, you've heard me before use this example, but you know, Kevin's uh, Kevin's tootling down I five in his uh, you know Corinthian leather uh, interior uh, Range Rover, and he's going, <laughs> he's going the speed limit, and his his registration is up to date, and he's got two or three highway patrolmen driving next to him. He doesn't care. He's going the speed limit. His registration's up to date. They're not going to pull him over. And I, you've heard me say this before. You know, a lot of people, a lot of companies are in much better shape than they were 10 or 15 years ago. They're doing the right things. They know how to handle consumer complaints. Consumer complaints are way down. They, they, they just have a different business model. It's more compliance heavy. It's more uh, bent with, or I should say, they have an eye on the regulations. And it's, it's a, it's a different industry than it was back then when Richard Cordray took over. And so I think so many companies are doing the right thing already. 
that that we don't have as much to worry about. That's not to say the CFPB won't be taking a look, especially with regard to the pandemic and who's making their payments and who's not. Um, but I found it interesting in a cynical kind of way that they, the CFPB is, is making all kinds of news, but yet when Juneteenth came along, they were uh, oddly quiet with regard to some of the uh, regulatory guidance that the industry was in need of. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know, I think, I think the industry is doing the right thing now and handling consumer complaints the right way. And, and to Kevin's point, you know, there's so much equity out there. Let them, let these people sell their houses and, uh, and go somewhere else and sell them to some 30 or 35 year old family that, that wants, that wants a, a good home. And, uh, you know, away we go. It'll, the problem will fix itself. All said. Rob, you sound like somebody that got likely several hundred Juneteenth emails from your uh, reader base. So, uh, so I can only imagine that. Yeah. But yeah, it would seem to reason a presidential administration that has really been very uh, openly and outwardly focused on creating home ownership opportunities for as many Americans as possible would not also uh, have a regulatory body in the CFPB that lenders are terrified of. And, and you know, uh, it, it seemed, you know, and as you mentioned, Rob, I mean, the last time we had a presidential uh, it, uh, Democratic presidential administration, so many things were different. The compliance side of the industry has evolved so much. I mean, delinquencies, if you omit, you know, pandemic related forbearances are way down. The mortgage meltdown is now much more in the rearview mirror. Loans in general have performed well and, and lenders by all by all measurements um, have done the right things and operated in, you know, very safe and secure ways. So it feels like we're going to be going into a pretty good era for mortgage lending. Uh, in the housing industry, the one where you, I think you have the best balance of, uh, you know, common sense, regulation, uh, and ability to to make make sense loans. But we'll see what happens. So, excellent. Well, KP, uh, thank you as always. Uh, always really, really enjoy getting your perspective on the industry as somebody we regularly tap on here at TMC to help lead discussions. And uh, looking forward to seeing you. Uh, soon in person here, but uh, thank Taranea. you very much for, for for joining us. We'll see you at Taranea. Oh, I can't wait. And uh, Rob, as always, uh, appreciate your uh, feedback and uh, jumping in and keeping us all entertained on a daily basis with your uh, daily newsletter. And uh, of course, Rob and I do the rundown going to a weekly format uh, on Friday afternoons coming up here starting in a couple of weeks. So Rob, you ready for the weekly the weekly format. I'm I'm ready, and I was going to say, Rich, that that when the when the apocalypse hits, <clears throat> I'm going to uh, Kevin's wine cellar. Think, uh, <laughs> it's about the only place you haven't started broadcast uh, showed up broadcasting from. Uh, you know the uh, the Fredo Corleone Lake, uh, the bar in Alaska. Uh, it's somewhere. Uh, it's become a big part of that show. So <laughs> trying to stay one step ahead of the parole officer, Rich. <laughs> and as always to our attendees thanks for taking 30 minutes out with us uh, we are here same place same time every week every tuesday at 2 p.m eastern for the last week in mortgage today and until next tuesday uh, have a great week everyone take care thank you for more information about how you can get involved with tmc connect and witness the power of the network firsthand please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com